most of us live with chronic stress. And most of the time, we don't notice it because we've just normalized this level of stress in our lives. And we use food and alcohol to soothe those feelings of stress. What if it were possible to achieve your goal weight and stay there permanently without dieting? Welcome to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, where you will discover the key components that most diets won't tell you because they want you to keep coming back. Not here. This is your last stop on the weight loss struggle bus. I am your host, Jennifer Dent Brown, life and weight loss coach, and I am going to show you how to stop dieting forever. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Lux Lifer, welcome to episode 106. This is your certified life and weight loss coach, Jennifer Dent Brown from jenniferdent.com. And jenniferdent.com is a place where you begin your journey to your forever weight. So if you have never been out to my website, go look at it now because you're going to see it as is right now if you're listening to this live in real time. But as you know, if you've been listening, like I'm going through a rebrand and so I'm so excited in a couple of days, I will see the first iteration of the new website design by Jenna from Sunday Studio. And shortly thereafter, it will be revealed to you as well. So I'm just excited about that. And I know because I keep talking about it (laughs) every week. Oh, and before I get into today's topic and other exciting news, my husband and I, Kevin, we just participated in a photo shoot, video shoot for a friend and client, Dr. Siobhan Parat, to help her promote her marriage launch party, which is where you will learn six ways to up-level your marriage. Now, I've had Dr. Siobhan on the podcast before. She's a life and marriage coach. And in her launch party, she is going to explain her signature six-point system for making your marriage the best it can be. And here's what makes this the best ever. It's 100% free to attend. So you guys have got to go to her Instagram and check out her reels because you will see me and my hubby in action as one of her couples that she's coaching. And it was just a lot of fun. I had my makeup done. We had multiple outfit changes. The space we were in was amazing. Um, It was at the Bellevue Hotel here in Philadelphia. And so we just had a, a lot of fun that day. But go to the show notes to get all of her information. Go find her on Instagram or just go to her website, drshavon.com forward slash launch party and get signed up to attend the launch party. It's 100% free. And if you're in a relationship, why wouldn't you want to make your marriage the best it can be? I'll be there. So I think you should be there too. All right, so let's jump into the topic today. And so interesting, this topic has taken like lots of twists and turns as I was thinking about what I wanted to share and what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to help you with on today's podcast episode. But one thing I think we can all agree is that most of us live with chronic stress. And most of the time, we don't notice it because we've just normalized this level of stress in our lives. It's just like 
what we do, what we say. I just remember being at work and it's always like, oh, I was working, you know, so many hours. Like it was better the longer and harder you worked, the more stressed out you were, like the better employee you were. And that was just like so ridiculous. But most of the time we don't even notice the amount of chronic stress we're in because it's just a normal thing. Now, I know you have that one friend or maybe you have a relative in your family that's like always the negative Nelly, right? She's always focused on the worst case scenario, always afraid of like what could happen if you did this thing. She's consumed with the worst news and negativity is her primary focus. Like as soon as you say, hey, how you doing? It's like, oh man, why did I just ask her how she was doing? Because you know, she's about to like go into this whole spiral of like how terrible things are. <laughs> now, Maybe that's a description of you. <laughs> it happens. I get it. There's no judgment there. And I totally understand because, again, we live with chronic stress and anxiety, and I live with chronic stress and anxiety for most of my adult life. And I suffer from anxiety caused by ADHD. Now, I was recently diagnosed just a couple of months ago so I'm an adult diagnosed person with ADHD. But even before that, I never described myself as someone who suffered from anxiety, which is like the common description you'll hear now. It's like, oh, I suffer from anxiety. Like I suffer from chronic stress. So I actually I was scrolling today on Instagram and I follow Gabrielle Union, the actress, on, and I follow her IG and she actually posted today that she suffers from anxiety and she had this beautiful picture of her, actually it was a video of her and her husband, Dwayne Wade, and she was like, you can't tell that I am being triggered by all the photographers in this video, which triggers her anxiety. So... For me, I don't know about Gabrielle Union, but for me, I just suffered in silence for many years because I didn't know that what I was experiencing had a name or like it was considered a disorder. And I kept my anxiety causing thoughts to myself. And so what would happen is I would just let them pile up and I would end up waking up in the middle of the night often in a full-blown panic attack because I had all of these thoughts just firing off of my head before I went to sleep. So back then, mental health in the Black community was not a commonly talked about thing. And I remember at one point, a doctor did suggest that I could be depressed, gave me a prescription. I came home, told my mom, love you, mom. And she was like, you're not depressed. You're just blue. It wasn't a thing that she understood. Mental health was not a thing that was discussed at that time. And so I never got the prescription filled. So me waking up in the middle of the night with these full-blown panic attacks, like racing heart. I used to sit up straight in the bed, like jolted out of my sleep. And just like an intense, heavy feeling of dread that just didn't go away. I thought this was completely normal. I was like, didn't everyone wake up in a panic attack every now and then? And because I thought it was normal, I normalized it as like, oh, well, that's just what I do. Sometimes it just happens. I just wake up in a panic in the middle of the night. And that's completely normal. 
it wasn't like this big event where I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh my God, guess what happened to me last night? I didn't tell anybody about it. And it wasn't until my recent diagnosis in December of last year that I learned that nocturnal panic attacks have been linked to people with neurodivergent brains. Hello, that is me, right? Because I have ADHD. I had no idea. And looking back over my adult life, I can see why I was drawn to personal development and positive thinking. And I used to immerse myself in that world because of my own tendency to just live in a sea of negativity, living in a sea of negative thoughts. And I'm sure having undiagnosed ADHD at the time did not help the negativity either. Because on top of that, like, I just didn't understand. I just thought there were so many things that I was deficient in or I just didn't do as well. Or I just had to work very hard to get things done, not knowing that it was just undiagnosed ADHD and that there is a different way that I have to think about certain things. There's a certain way that I have to do certain things. And there's just some things I just don't do well. But I can totally see why I used to overeat in my 20s and my 30s because I was chronically stressed about everything. I was stressed about being accepted at work by my coworkers. I was stressed out about my weight. I was stressed out about my appearance. I've talked about my lack of style (laughs) when I was in my 20s and my 30s. I was stressed out about my skin. I suffered from cystic acne since high school into my mid-30s. I was stressed about being in a relationship or being out of a relationship and what people would think about who I was with or when I was out of a relationship, what they would think because I wasn't in one. I was stressed about my finances and money. You guys have heard me talk about debt and how I amassed over $200,000 worth of debt by the time I was, I guess I was in my early 30s at that point. I was stressed about being a chronic people pleaser. So y'all know if you're a people pleaser, like that is stressful in itself, trying to make everybody happy. And on top of that, I was constantly beating myself up for not doing all the things well that other people did. Like data analysis at work in Excel is one of the things I had to do for my my last job, Deloitte. And it used to take me forever. I'm talking about pivot tables, y'all, and analyzing the data and creating assumptions and formulas and all the things. And it used to take me forever And sometimes I just could not figure out how to create the stupid pivot tables. Like, I just was like, I can't. I can't figure it out. So I had one coworker, God bless her. Hey, Brianna. She was a whiz at Excel. And I would often like, hey, can we meet real quick so you can help me with this, please? And she would help me like figure it out in Excel. But I remember like we would share our screens and I remember watching her like whiz through all the cells clicking this, like thinking logically so fast. And that was really difficult for me. And I remember thinking like, wow, like I've been working longer than her. She was like 10 years younger than me. And I remember thinking like something is wrong with me that I can't figure this out. I remember working on huge projects and being responsible for tasks. I was a program manager at the time. 
and being responsible for tasks with a lot of details. And that's when I remember waking up with those full-blown panic attacks a lot because I would stress about work. I would think about all of those details like consistently and I would just wake up in the panic attack out of my sleep thinking about everything that I'm missing and I would just get up out of bed and like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. and go to my home office and just start working, sending emails, double-checking my work, making sure I didn't miss anything because I didn't want to miss any of those details. Now, for someone with a neurodivergent brain, me, because I have ADHD, details aren't something that come naturally. (laughs) It is something that the executive functioning in our brain, we just don't always capture the details. So, of course... Not knowing that I had ADHD and being in a place where I have missed very important details before, of course, I was chronically stressed about missing details. And of course, all of those thoughts about my performance, trying to do a good job at work, trying to people please, trying to make sure everything was ticked and tied, of course, that caused the levels of stress in my life to go up. And of course, I had these nocturnal panic attacks. When I look back, I can totally see at this point in my life how my own thoughts literally kept me in a chronic state of stress. But because I had normalized it, and I thought everybody was just the same, it was just how I operated. But I also can very clearly see now how and why I used to use food to cope for so many years. Now, if you're listening to me and you can see yourself in my story dealing with chronic stress, I want to share with you in this episode what I have learned since becoming a life coach that has helped me immensely. And I want to share it with you because it will help you as well. Now, I've never been on meds for my panic disorder. And to date, I've decided not to treat my ADHD with meds. Now, I've considered it. I've looked into it. Doesn't mean I won't do it in the future, but right now I am medication-free with my ADHD. But the one thing that has changed my life is recognizing that my chronic stress was caused by my thoughts. It was caused by my thinking. It seems so simple now, that I think back about it, but until I did my own work and until I actually hired my own life coach, I literally was a victim of my own thoughts. This is what I have learned about myself. I was a victim of my own thinking. And you're like, well, how does this happen? How do you become a victim of your own thoughts? If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm happy you're here. But you may not understand exactly what I'm saying right now, but if you stick with me, it will become very clear to you. Let me just break it down real simply. Our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings drive our actions. And the sum of our actions or inactions create the results we have in our life. So basically, your results are caused by your thoughts. Your current weight today is caused by your thinking. I was overweight for decades because I had lots of thoughts that caused me to feel chronically anxious. And the way that I soothed my anxiety 99.9% of the time was to eat and drink. I also did pray a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> but most of the time I would eat or drink to soothe my anxiety and I would also pray. So just recently in the Stop Dieting Forever program, in our group coaching session, one of the clients shared with me and with the group that um, due to the recent uh, mass shootings, she was feeling a lot of anxiety. She has two young children of her own, and she found herself one night, she said she woke up just like at 2 a.m. in a panic and immediately went to eat cookies. She wasn't hungry. And she recognized, thinking back on it, she was like, I was thinking about my children. I was thinking about the parents who lost their children in the mass shooting. And it caused such level of anxiety and stress. She just immediately didn't even think about it, went to get cookies. And she said she ate a couple of cookies and went back to bed and went back to sleep and didn't even think about it. That's, this is what I mean, y'all. We normalize the feelings of stress and we use food and alcohol to soothe those feelings of stress. So what I have come to realize in my studying of life coaching in the brain, I've come to realize that there is a considerable amount of human suffering that comes from our own tendency to get wrapped up in the drama of life rather than just observing what's happening. We get so deeply involved in what is happening that we cannot separate ourselves from the circumstance. This was my life for decades. There was not a single circumstance in my stressed out life that defined who I was as a person. Not my job, not my title, not the promotion that I got or didn't get, not my relationship status. None of that defined me as a person. Not how much money I had in the bank or what kind of car I was driving at the time or where I lived. Not the size of my clothes that I was wearing. None of that defined me as a person. Not how many stamps I had on my passport or how much money I was making. None of those things defined me as a person, as who I was. Yet I was consumed with thoughts about all that stuff that kept me in a state of chronic stress. Can you feel me on that one? So when I learned to become an observer of my thoughts, right? I learned to be able to like separate my thinking from the actual circumstance. And I could see all of those anxiety causing thoughts rolling around in my brain rather than allowing those thoughts to hijack me and cause me to like have panic attacks. I started to take ownership of how I was showing up in the world. Okay, listen to me. So rather than depending on external validation for someone else to be like, oh, Jennifer, you look nice today, right? To tell me that I was good enough, I developed the ability to validate my own damn self. Some of y'all may remember that gospel song, Encourage Yourself by Donald Lawrence and the Tri-City Singers. That song just popped into my head. But literally, he was right. Sometimes you do have to encourage yourself. We all have that ability to encourage ourselves, but that doesn't just mean like look in the mirror and tell yourself positive affirmations, but I really want you to understand and be able to observe those anxiety and stressful causing thoughts and not beat yourself up or not judge yourself for having them. That's the difference, y'all. So, okay, for example, since we're talking about looking in the mirror, Looking in the mirror and thinking, oh my God, I look so awful today. 
right? The positive affirmation people, the people who are in that positive, happy camp, they will just tell you like Joel Osteen. He will tell you, look in the mirror (laughs) and tell yourself you look beautiful today. And you're like, I've been telling myself I look awful every single day looking in the mirror for half my life. So you're not all of a sudden going to look in the mirror and have this like wonderful, beautiful, positive thought and actually believe it. So what I am telling you as your life coach is when you look into the mirror and you have that thought, oh my God, you look awful today. I want you to have compassion for that part of you that is saying how terrible you look. That is a thought that was instilled in you at some point in time in your life, whether it came from society, whether it came from someone in your home, whether it came from your interpretation of what you believe beautiful is from advertising and marketing, right? I want you to have compassion for that part of you that believes that you look terrible. And when you can do that, what you're doing is you're acknowledging that thought as an observer, And then once you do that, you get to decide to focus on something like, hey, you know what? Your eyebrows look really good today. Or you get to focus on how white your teeth look today, right? But that's a conscious decision to appreciate those two qualities, your eyebrows or your teeth versus letting the girl, you look terrible thought hijack your brain. And when that happens, what happens? You walk around the rest of the day feeling self-conscious because you have this thought underlying, rolling around in your head, subconsciously believing you look terrible because you did not have the ability to observe that thought as separate from you as a person, okay? So when that happens, now you're going through your day and you're feeling maybe a positive emotion because you decided that you know your eyebrows look good today or you're feeling a positive emotion because you know that you have the best and the whitest teeth at the conference table in your afternoon meeting at work. And when you feel that way, guess what happens? You're less likely to grab that cookie from the box of cookies sitting on the conference room table during your afternoon meeting at work. It's all very subconscious, right? But it's so powerful. And that is just an example of one observed thought that you have when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. We have 60,000 thoughts a day. Just imagine the compound effect of observing more of those thoughts that don't serve you. Imagine the compound effect of you having more self-compassion when those judgmental thoughts about yourself pop up and you know that they're not helpful, and you know that they cause you to feel stress, and you know that they cause you to feel anxiousness. I could talk about this all day, but I'm going to leave you with this. So this is what helped me. Number one, investing in a life coach was the best gift I could have given myself. Now, when I invested in a life coach, I had no idea that this is what I was going to uncover, and this is what I was going to learn. I just knew I was in a very, very uncomfortable, miserable place in my life, And this woman told me she could help me. So much so that on our consult call, I cried. But coaching with her literally changed my life. And that was just the beginning. So for me, continuing to invest in programs and coaching, where I have learned not only to coach myself in a masterful way, but I have learned to coach my clients and teach them 
how to become an observer of their thoughts. It's like an investment that just keeps on going. I invest in myself, I invest in my own brain, and I use my investment and my expansion, right, my growth, and I teach it to my clients, I coach my clients, I help their expansion, I help their growth, okay? So as you become better at being the observer of your thoughts, it puts you in such a powerful position. I want you to just like use this episode. If you need to go back and listen to it again, I want you to just start to become the observer of your own thinking. Question like, oh, why am I thinking that? Oh, geez, like, why am I doing this? Because it's derived by a thought. It's driven by a thought. So when you're becoming the observer of your own brain, it allows you to step back and witness your own thoughts and your own emotions. When you can see where they come from, when you can see why they exist, you ultimately get to decide where they go. And by doing this, you no longer have to depend on food or alcohol to soothe your chronic stress. I'm telling you this because it is the truth. When you can do this very well, you've mastered becoming an observer, you know that your 2.0 brain is in effect and working. It has developed. So Lux Lifer, it is my goal as your life coach to help you move from your 1.0 self and into your 2.0 self, your future self, right? This is when you have reached your forever weight. Because remember, the more that you can observe the thoughts that aren't serving you, the less likely you are to grab for food as an emotional reaction to your thinking. But just learning the stop dieting forever process is just the first step, right? You have to be consistent in using the tools and the strategies that I teach you to create your 2.0 brain. I didn't just have one session with my coach and oh my goodness, my life was changed. No, (laughs) it was and still is consistent self-coaching and being coached that has moved me from the chronically stressed out adult that I used to be to who I am today. Now, my life is not perfect. Even though I'm a life coach, I still have a life. (laughs) So I had a nocturnal panic attack a couple, like very recently, maybe a month ago or so. And it was the first one I had had in years because I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh, this is the first one I had living in our current home. And we've been here almost four years. And the reason why I remember that, because I just always remember where I am when you're like jolted out of my sleep and I sit straight up in the in the bed, like heart racing, sweating, all the things like so much. So like I usually wake up Kevin. So it's a very like traumatic event that I remember in my brain. But rather than freak out when this happened and get immersed in my panic, like my logical brain knew exactly what was happening. And I was able to use what I've learned as a coach to literally calm my nervous system down and I went back to sleep. Now, the ability to do that, calm my nervous system down by myself and go back to sleep after a full-blown panic attack in the middle of the night, the ability to do that after decades of thinking panic attacks in the middle of the night was like a normal thing is priceless. Like, if I really thought about it long enough, I could probably start crying because the transformation of what I see in myself is just such a different and drastic thing. The other day, 
literally a couple of days ago, I felt a daytime panic attack rising. And it was just compounding thoughts over a day or so. And at that point, we were in the car, we were traveling, it was a lot of traffic, my my brain was like on overdrive. And I was in the car with my husband. And I knew if I didn't do something, at that point, it was only going to get worse. So I was able to use one of my tools to, again, calm my nervous system down in the car within 10 minutes. Now, after the 10 minutes, I was not like happy, happy, joy, joy. (laughs) That was not the case. But what I did do is that I was able to stop the anxiety from getting worse. And I was able to stop it long enough so I did not ruin our day out together. Because if I hadn't been able to observe my thoughts in that moment and I wasn't able to see exactly what was happening, I probably would have allowed myself to become really irritated by him, really irritated by everything going on around me, probably would have ended up starting an argument, and our day together would have been ruined. And the other thing that I would have done is that we also went out to eat as we were out together that day. And the fact that I did not need to eat my anxiety away is like, still mind-blowing for me. So we went out to eat. We split a burger and french fries. We split it, y'all. I didn't eat the whole thing by myself. (laughs) We asked the waitress to plead, or the server, to split the burger. So we split a burger, split the fries, and we also split a kale and quinoa salad, and I drank half a glass of rosé. Now, remember, The anxiety for me hadn't disappeared completely. It was still there. The thoughts were still there, like percolating in the back of my brain. But I was so aware because I was observing my brain. I could see what my brain was doing. And I realized in that moment that drinking alcohol was not going to help the situation. So I just stopped drinking the rosé and I just left half of the glass there. Now, when I came home after we went out to eat, I felt the anxiety starting to rise again because my brain was getting fired up again. I had some more time to like, I was back at home in my safe space and I started thinking about all the things that were stressing me out. And I knew I felt like I wanted to cry. My heart was pacing and I I was just pacing the floor and I was like, I need to talk this out. And so I called on my coach, sister friends at two of them, thank God for them. And I talked it out. Right? I talked it out for like probably 90 minutes. I talked to both of them. And at that point, I was off the ledge. My anxiety causing thoughts were gone. And I was able to think much more logically about the situation. So by the next day, I was able to do my own self coaching. And in that, I was able to move myself up the emotional ladder a little bit more. And by the next day, I could actually look at the events that were causing me so much stress and angst 48 hours ago and see it as like, oh, that was just an expansion event that I was going through. (laughs) That's what um, my friend Heather calls it. I could see how much I grew emotionally in that like 48 hour period where I was chronically anxious and I could observe what was happening. I could see what was happening and I used my tools. I used my tools to calm my nervous system down and move myself off the ledge. And I was able to verbally vomit with my friends, right? So I can look back at that whole experience and be grateful that it actually happened because I could see 
myself expanding. I could see now my growth in that experience. I never would have been able to do that in my early adult life, right? So these are like the tools and the strategies that I have learned as a life coach. And these are the things that I teach as a life coach. These tools and these strategies that I teach you will help you stop the emotional eating and help you lose weight for sure. But I tell my boot campers, weight loss is just the first transformation for you. It's literally just the beginning. Y'all come to me because you want to lose weight. But what you learn inside the 30-day boot camp where you're learning the Stop Dieting Forever process is so much more than just for weight loss. Now, the 2.0 version of the boot camp is coming up in August. And if my experience resonated with you, I want you to know that there are coaching tools and strategies that you will learn during the boot camp that can help you if you suffer from anxiety, even ADHD, right? And if you know that you're an emotional eater. But here's the wonderful thing. You can also apply them to every other area in your life that is causing you to overeat. So fun fact, about halfway through the last boot camp, one of the boot campers named Carolyn, she posted in our group, she says, and I quote, I am so blown away by Jennifer Dent Brown. This can be used to heal depression, anxiety, lots of emotional sickness, etc. I love her teachings. End of quote. And so my response to her in the Facebook group was like, I said, yes, this is true, Carolyn. When you understand how to manage your thoughts, how to manage your emotions, how to observe what's happening in your brain, you can essentially create any result you want. So if that excites you, I want you to make sure you are on the advanced notification list for the next boot camp. And that is where you will learn the Stop Dieting Forever process in 30 days. And remember, weight loss is just the beginning. I love you, live Lux, and I will see you in the next episode. Hey, 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 before you go, I have one more thing for you. If you liked today's episode and want to learn more about the Stop Dieting Forever lifestyle, I have a free weight loss guide for you at jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever. In it, you'll discover the four things you must try before you give up on your weight loss goal. Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever to request your free copy. What do you have to lose but some weight? Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever right now. Don't put it off until later. Decide your health is worth the time now. Go to jenniferdent.com forward slash stop dieting forever to discover what you can do to really stop dieting forever. Dieting forever.